When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In this episode, I'm thrilled to have with me Sam Tate. Sam is one of the top anti-corruption lawyers literally across the globe. He's worked on monitorships, he's worked on investigations, he advises governments, and he is one of the true fonts of knowledge in anti-corruption. He's from London, uh, so he specializes in the uh, UK Bribery Act, but also other international anti-corruption laws. He's here today to talk about the new Economic Crime and Corporate Transparency Bill in the UK Parliament and how this will create a failure to prevent cause of action around fraud and fraud prevention. It's something that every corporate compliance officer needs to be aware of going forward. It's a great interview. I know you'll enjoy Sam Tate. First, a quick message from our sponsor. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I have with me and someone who I only can say this about my lawyer, Gordon Firemark. Gordon is also the podcast lawyer, which is why he's my lawyer. So, Gordon, first of all, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Tom, it's great to be with you again. uh, Once more into the breach, as they say. Once (laughs) more into the breach, dear friends. Indeed. And that breach is, I just like to have an annual checkup with you about what's going on in the world of podcasting from your legal, legal perspective. And I know you do a lot of representation, have done a lot of work in the entertainment industry, and you see and have seen podcasts evolve over the years, and you've shared that with us before. But what did you see in 2022 in terms of evolution, where where it may be going in 2023? Wow. Well, 2022 really was sort of the year of of the defamation cases. There were a lot of defamation claims brought by, you know, people talked about on podcasts, usually, you know, fairly high profile people who were the subject of a, of a controversial conversation or something like that, suing a host. And, you know, most of these cases end up being settled. So we don't really hear much other than the the initial headline, someone suing someone. What else? There have been, well, obviously, you know, What's come up, there have been some voice clone kinds of claims, actually more about clips from podcasts being used in, there was one that was a a television ad for hockey team, one of the fan podcasts, they grabbed a bunch of clips from the show and used it in their commercials and things like that, so that's a little crazy. Um, What else? Trademark name, you know, brand names, titles, uh, Oprah suing the producers of a show they called Oprahdemics. <laughs> and she's suing them over the trademark uh, infringement incli- included in that. What else? Yeah, a lot, you know, it's a big variety. It's, it's more of the same every year. <laughs> the, the usual suspects, copyrights, trademarks, music, libel, privacy, that kind of stuff. Gordon, we met, I think, in 2015 at Podcast Movement and... You gave a talk on sort of the legal aspects of running a podcast, being a podcaster, having guests, being a host, et cetera. And 
many of the topics you discussed in response, uh, it was a largely non-lawyer audience, so you got a lot of non-lawyer questions. As your talks have evolved over the years, I hear you still talk about some of the basics, but evolutions into podcast networks, what does it mean when podcasters get together, and more sort of business entity aspects. Would that be a fair sort of recitation of the evolution of your talks, or are you still just talking about the basics? You know, I'm, I try to do both. I try to provide the 101 level stuff for the creators because I feel like they need the education, they need the information. But, you know, my practice depends on on having clients who can actually pay for legal services. <laughs> so working with networks, platforms, and production companies is, is good for my business. And so I, I try to also provide that level 200 and 300, you know, level of, of information as well for those folks. So depending on the conference and, and frankly, depending on what the conference asks me to speak about, but you know, we, we still have lots of newcomers into this field who don't understand copyrights, don't understand trademarks and how to protect their own content and respect the content of others and those kinds of things. So I'm really, I'm really trying to, inform and educate on on that end and attract and and work with folks a little more advanced level. Are you seeing more interest in the media community, particularly in centered in your part of the world, Los Angeles area, in content creators and other stories or other media created via the podcast format for exploitation in other forms of media, whether it be TV show or print? There is a lot of cross-media pollination going on, I guess you could say. TV and film producers are finding inspiration in podcasts that they're listening to. Podcasts are also, you know, being inspired and driven by things that they see in, in the, what I'll call the old mainstream media I think podcasting is joining the mainstream pretty quickly here, uh, and uh, yeah, a lot of lot of deal flow both in both directions these days. So, at the last conference we both jointly attended was Podfest Expo twenty twenty three, and mm-hmm. one of the early people who I met at that conference was Glenn the Geek, mm-hmm. who has the Horse Doctor podcast and associated other podcasts, and and he was able to sell his entire network to a large, larger media outlet who saw value in what he was doing also within the podcast format they, they didn't have as much of. Are you starting to see those types of transactions as well? Well, Glenn's an, an interesting case study because you know he, he built up a very successful network around a particular niche of, of shows, you know, horses. And like golf and like some other hobbyist kinds of activities there people will spend inordinate amounts of money on products and services for their horses and those kinds of things and so he had a sponsorship base and all that it made it a very attractive acquisition target and uh, congratulations to glenn you know living the dream sell the network and continue working for it but on your own terms there's a bit of that going on uh, you know we had a, a glut of that in the i want to say 2017 2018 when Spotify started buying up podcast networks, but that was a little a little different, and the attitude about it was a little different because it looked like Spotify was trying to bring everything into its silo and and get away from the open format stuff. Right now, we're we're seeing a bit of a 
well, recession in the podcasting space as well. And so companies are not spending the kind of money that they were even just a year or two ago to acquire new content, new, especially networks. But advertisers are still doing their thing. And, and uh, I think it's still bullish for the network business right now. So you're absolutely right. Glenn was a leader in, in many ways. He's been doing podcasting for, I think, 12 to 15 years, an early mm-hmm. adopter, early adopter of the network, and now the early adopter of cashing out at a very attractive fee <laughs> right. as well. So we've all looked up to him, and I certainly have, and I'm going to look continue to look up to him for inspiration on that part. Let's check in a little bit about what you've got going and in terms of your law practice. Could you remind the audience again about your practice and what you do? Well, I, I am a almost full-service entertainment law solo practice attorney. I do work in the film, television, and live theater industries as well as digital media. But the last few years, I've been spending a lot of my energy and and um, uh, enjoying working with digital creators in the podcasting, blogging, and the YouTube video kind of space as well. And I help them with, you know, all kinds of structural, you know, entity formations, intellectual property protection, intellectual property licensing, content-related stuff, and strategy for monetization and those kinds of things. So I'm, I'm really a deal maker. But I do the what the Hollywood industry calls the business affairs department kind of work. At one point, you were teaching as well. Has that continued for you, or where is that part of your genre? Well, yeah, I mean, I think I love the sound of my own voice, which is why I podcast and do other things too, and, and part of that. And also it's a, a kind of giving back. As I said earlier, I, you know, I really want to make sure that newcomers into these industries have the information they need to operate safely and, and, and be protected. So, yeah, I do some teaching. I have a couple of classes this semester at Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandise here in Los Angeles. I teach a course on intellectual property sort of basics, and we have a lot of fun with that. And uh, we actually do a mock trial in the class, which is uh, just Ooh. a hoot. The kids really love that. It's This is undergrads. And then I also have a, a little more advanced class on uh, media ethics and law in the digital space and really, really enjoying thoughtful discussions from, from you know, 21-year-olds and, and how they approach things. And being an old white guy, it, it's a very different world than what I grew up with. So You also utilize social media as well as any other lawyer I've seen. So could you tell us about some of the Gordon Firemark Law Firm social media offerings, starting with your podcast, but also about your sort of weekly office hours and your different courses and really a great potpourri of different ideas that you put out there. Well, I am a geek is what it comes down to. And and I love to play with these new technologies and, and I love to put myself out there and be interacting with the world. So yes, I have my podcast. My main show is called Entertainment Law Update. It is aimed mainly at entertainment law practitioners. We do sort of a, a monthly legal roundup of case briefing of the various cases that have happened that are of interest in the in the arena. I also do a show much more targeted for the podcasting and digital media creator community called Legit Podcast Pro. It is a live stream that I do video and audio and then also publish it as a podcast. You can find it on YouTube and Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and Twitch and <laughs> you know, I said I'm a geek, right? So that's a lot of fun and each week I, I cover in about a 10-minute segment an issue of some sort that is relating to the 
digital creation community. And that's a lot of fun for me. I blog and, and my, my website at firemarket.com is a, a place to find that stuff. And, and and courses, yeah. I, you know, one of my other approaches to providing the material and information is I've got some online courses and template documents and things like that all available on my website over at gordonfiremark.com. There have been a couple of interesting, very recent developments in the podcasting world. One's a little bit broader than the podcasting world, and that's Chat GPT. Yeah. And I know you've started to research that and look at that from the podcasting angle. So what sort of questions are you getting or what sort of advice are you giving now at this point around Chat GPT? Well, yeah, it's not just Chat GPT, but the AI in general has become it's a hot button issue here in the first quarter of 2023 when we're recording this. There are a number of issues around it. There's the copyright questions relating to how the, the training material for these tools, whether it's a, a visual art tool or audio or, or text-based stuff, um, how that's been ingested you know, from scouring the internet for years, these systems developed and there are some questions about whether or not they're infringing on copyright or whether there's fair use. Is it transformative? These are the, the kinds of issues that we copyright lawyers are thinking about all the time. But also, there's, there's been some issues about if you're using these tools to create your content, can you claim ownership of the content? Because the Copyright Office has just recently made another ruling saying that in order to be an author for purposes of copyright ownership you have to be human. So the machines can't create copyrightable material, which means I use a chat GPT to do something and, and put it out there and someone else wants to copy it, they're free to do so. More importantly, though, these tools have all kinds of potential nefarious uses, you know, the deep fakes, the substituting voices, voice cloning kinds of things where you make it sound like someone said X, Y, Z, when in fact... You just typed it into a machine and out it came in their voice. Uh, so possible defamation case kinds of things. And, uh, and of course, the voice talent who are in the voice talent business who, you know, act for a living on microphones, they're very worried that they're going to be put out of jobs. So there's a lot, awful lot going on right now around the AI stuff. So I found chat GPT. The first time I used it, I thought or I felt like it was when I was seven and my parents bought Encyclopedia Britannica for them, uh -huh. our first encyclopedia. I thought this is exactly what chat GPT is. And when we got an encyclopedia, you know, I was reading it every night just because I'm that same kind of geek. Yeah. And so what I have seen is it's not really given me a better or more efficient business process. It's really given me access to more information. Has your experience been similar to that or something different? Well, my experience, yeah, it has been a little different. I've actually used it, on, and, and by the way, I, I think it is a fantastic tool. These are, you know, amazing technologies. However, we have to be really careful because, for example, I asked it to write my own Wikipedia entry, and it got almost everything wrong. So it can't entirely be trusted to give you the right information. If you're using these tools to create content... I think it becomes even more important that we do the right fact-checking and, and verify things. And it's not just about the sniff test. We really have to dive deep into where's this information coming from. That also raises the question of copyright infringement when the, the bot might actually be using an entire passage from somebody else's blog post or something like that that it found. 
And so we've got those concerns. I will say it's great for creating outlines of topics. And if you, if you structure a query correctly, you can get a really terrific five or 10 point outline of, you know, talking points about a particular subject. And so that can streamline podcasting quite a bit. You still have to, I think you still have to bring your own originality to it, but the tool's getting better and better. I think it's not long before we can trust it more. And I think people are already trusting it probably ill-advisedly. <laughs> So I have uh, started yet a third network hmm. called the Texas Podcast Network, and I decided that I would use ChatGPT as my business resource. And number one, you're absolutely right. If you refine your query well enough, you can get a pretty good outline of what you need to do to run a podcast network. But it also struck me as I might be able to write my own case study to see how this can be used. So experimenting with that as I move forward in that arena. We also had another announcement this past week, which I wanted to ask you about, which is not on the outline, and that's YouTube going to some sort of podcasting. And I have to say, I've been hosting podcasts on YouTube since 2012. Mm -hmm. And so to me, it's always been a, a place for podcasts. Is their announcement something different or have you started fielding queries from your clients or potential clients around this new YouTube initiative? Well, I haven't exactly been fielding queries about it. I think everybody's figuring this stuff out for themselves for the most part. And it, it doesn't really implicate a lot of legal issues. What I will say about, about it is what's new is that they are actually designating certain playlists or channels as podcasts. And I think that they are going, going to be, maybe they already are, creating you know RSS feeds that your players can use to listen to those YouTube or watch those YouTube streams sort of as podcasts in a podcast app. They've also announced that their, uh, their app is going to now allow for the screen of the device to be off while continuing to play the audio. So you can actually you know, put it on in the car and not, A, get in trouble with the law for driving while watching videos and, and still, you know, get your, get your content that way. I think it's pretty exciting. It is the second largest search engine in the world, and um, that means that discoverability for podcasts is going to be great. And, of course, it's owned by Google, which is the first largest search engine in the world, so good news there, too. The one thing I will say as a caveat is, I don't think we should be relying on it as a place to put all of our content first. I think it's still, we need to let it evolve a little bit because Google has notoriously over the years tried things, thrown it against the wall, and a couple of years goes by, and if it sticks, great, and if not, not. YouTube's been around a long time, but some of us are old enough to remember Google Plus and even Google Podcasts, <laughs> you know, things like that. So I wouldn't put all my eggs in that basket right now. Gordon, we're both attending Podcast Evolution, Podcast yeah. Movement Evolutions next week in Las Vegas. I know you're speaking. Could you give us just a teaser of your presentation? Well, I and uh, and uh, my colleague Merlin Jean-Louis are presenting just sort of a legal eagles view from the top, kind of a kind of a, a panel, just looking at the the core issues in in podcasting right now. And I've been working on the outline and and. Uh, expecting to, again, this is sort of that 101 level education for podcasters. And Evolutions is a little bit of a more advanced group. So I think we'll get a little more into the weeds on a few things. But uh, yeah, still focusing on giving the basics. Gordon, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode. But before we leave, 
If our listeners wanted any more information on yourself, your law firm, or really any of the topics we've touched on, what would be the best place or places for them to go? Well, the best thing to do is to use my name, gordonfiremark.com. We'll get you to, you know, sort of the hub website that'll point you in the direction of other things. And Entertainment Law Update is the big pod, the main podcast. Also, Legit Podcast Pro. If you search for that, you'll find me on YouTube and things like that. And G Firemark on most social media will find me. And I will just attest that Gordon has a ton of resources on his website. He is one of the best resources. If you're a podcaster from the legal perspective, as I said, he's my lawyer. He's the guy I recommend. And if you need any help from the podcaster, broader entertainment world, I would suggest you uh, contact Gordon through his firm website. So Gordon, I look forward to seeing you at Podcast Movement Evolutions. And uh, as always, thanks again for taking the time to visit with me. Thank you. It's always great, Tom. See you next week. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. I hope you will join me for our next episode where we take up another deep dive into compliance. Gordon also has a great program of legal aid for podcasters in the form of some forms you might need, contracts, etc., as well as some training that allow you to help fill those out yourself. So I put a link to his easy legal program for podcasters on the show notes. So if you're a podcaster and you need some legal uh, forms and or advice, check it out going forward. The FCPA Compliance Report is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.